Hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the lovely podcast, God's Holy Word. And today we're going to take a look at a few verses from the first book of Samuel in chapter 2. I don't want to read the whole thing because it's kind of um dense and choppy a little bit in terms of what we understand in terms of what was going on during this time and things like that because part of it is about what priests are supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do. But I want to focus more on Hannah, kind of a continuation of her. So here's the thing. The of uh, some of this chapter is quoting Hannah, quoting a woman. So for those that think that women don't have any rights or that God thinks women are below men, that is not true. So this might disprove some people and others might already know what I'm talking about and agree with it. So here we go. Let's take a look at this. So this is chapter 2 in the first book of Samuel. It says and Hannah prayed and said, now this is her speaking here. My heart rejoiceth in the Lord, my horn is exalted in the Lord, my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies, meaning that viper woman that we had to deal with in the previous chapter. It says, my mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. That is an amazing prayer. She's happy. She knows that God has answered her prayer. She knows that God loves her. And what's interesting is that here in the Bible, this is a this is a record of Hannah, and it's her that is speaking, not the other wife, not the viper woman. Isn't that interesting that? When God defangs someone, he shuts them up. So here that viper woman was making fun of Hannah for Hannah having a, a closed womb. But what did God do? He opened Hannah's womb and closed viper woman's mouth because the holy word of God doesn't talk much about that other wife at all. It's focusing on Hannah and how much God loves her. and he wants to guard and protect her and he wants to bless her. So it goes on to say, we're going to skip down to verse 20. It says, "And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman for the loan which is lent to the Lord." He's talking about Samuel. And they went unto their own home. And the Lord visited Hannah, so that she conceived and bore 3 sons and 2 daughters. Isn't that amazing? So because she had faith and she believed in God and she took her request to God God not only gave her a child he gave her six total that that's a sixfold return on her request I think that's amazing I mean what a miracle I mean I bet that shut that viper woman up big time cuz then she had nothing she had nothing on Hannah anymore Technically she never did cuz you're never supposed to rub something in someone else's face. But that is the goodness of God right there. He hears our prayers, he blesses us, he wants to help us, but we have to go to God with our request. And some people will get irritated and frustrated and say, "Well, why doesn't God just bless me anyway?" Here's the thing. God knows you need help, but he wants to know your intent. He wants to know you. He wants to love you. It's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. 
Our heavenly father is not a genie and you just rub the lamp. That's a very greedy, selfish way to view anyone, but especially our heavenly father, and that would be very ungrateful to view him as like, "Hey, give me what I want. Why should I have to ask? You already know I need this. Just give it to me." That is a horrible way to think and act towards our heavenly father. And thank goodness Hannah did not treat God in that manner. I was going to say disregard, but thank goodness she did not view him as just her personal little genie or personal piggy bank. She knew that when she walked into that temple that she was on holy ground. And that's why she poured out her heart, her soul to our heavenly father was because she had no one else to pour her her heart out to, which is sad. Because she she had her husband who I'm sure loved her. You know, because he gave her a double portion, he showed her a lot of favor. I would think that if he didn't love her at all, he would have just gotten rid of her and been like, "I'm giving you a bill of divorce. You're not producing any kids. Nah, what are you good for?" That's how some men view women, even to this day, especially in Oklahoma, especially in the Bible Belt. Sometimes they view us like cattle, which is sick, but that's just what it is sometimes. But needless to say, women have just as much rights as men, and we see that here because. If God didn't value women, first of all, he would not have created them. Number 2, he wouldn't give them a chance to speak, especially in the Bible. He he wouldn't have he would not have allowed them to have a role in God's holy word. And Hannah has a pretty big role here. Out of all the people in her family, she is the only one that took a leap of faith and did what she is supposed to do. what she is supposed to do as a daughter of the god most high and go to him with her request she is the only one that really believed that god could do the impossible yet she was the victim and she was the oppressed i find that very interesting because in our society and i'm sure this happens in other societies it's like people they just want to shut the victim up It's like, yeah, bad stuff happens to you, get over it, suck it up. That's life. We don't want to hear about. Gosh, why are you whining so t- why are you whining so much? You're just a complainer. That's probably how she was treated because she was so upset. Like no one in her life was defending her from her oppressor, which was the viper woman. But God did the impossible. He gave her a beautiful child, Samuel. And he was a very important child. So not only did God bless her, he extra blessed her like her child got to be an employee of Eli in the temple. Viper woman's kids didn't get to do that. And I bet they were jealous. And it's like, well, it must suck to be you. You know, must suck to have a mom that's like that. <laughs> you know that that's a viper. But isn't it amazing? God heard her cry. He answered her prayer. And he didn't just give her one child. He gave her six altogether. Now, that is how our heavenly Father works. Not only does he answer our prayers, but he goes above and beyond what we ask or think. That is so important in our walk with Christ. That is so important with our in our walk with our heavenly Father. And if you are a woman listening to this, 
This is proof right here in God's holy word that women are equal to men. They are valuable and they are worthy of love and they are worthy of appreciation. That doesn't mean women are better than men. We're equals. Because God created them equally in the garden of Eden. You know when when Eve was created, he didn't tell Adam, you know, treat her, you know, uh, you know, kind of a little bit better than an animal. But, you know, don't don't really go, you know, hog wild on treating her with respect, you know, because that's really eh, not not what she's meant for. God didn't say that to Adam. When Adam saw Eve, he knew that she was special. She was valuable and she was meant to be treasured. That is how every woman on the face of this earth is supposed to be treated and viewed by by a man. Particularly their husband. And only their husband. But here's another thing. Women are supposed to be respected by all men and by all women. That's why Viper Woman was defamed. She dishonored Hannah. That's what it means when when it said God will turn what's meant for your harm into something good for you. He brings you out better than before. Whatever was meant to bring you down will actually lift you up. And your oppressors, your adversaries, it actually calls Viper Woman an adversary. That's not a compliment. And that's someone she had to live with. How awful would that be? I mean, that would be intense. But God can turn anything that's going on in our life and turn it into good. And that's what God did for Hannah here. He loved her so much. He heard her cry. He did not like how she was being treated. And I guarantee you, God was giving her husband every chance to do the right thing. Every chance. But technically her husband failed. Did did God hate her husband? No. I have no doubt he forgave him. Because her husband is also a child of the God most high. See, sometimes people fail us. And it's very disappointing. But we're not supposed to live in the disappointment. We're supposed to live in the goodness of God. Because if all we ever do is focus on our disappointments and what we don't like and what we what we haven't received, then you're going to have a really tough life because you're going to be miserable. You're always going to be think you're missing something when in fact you have everything. Even if you haven't received your new car yet, your new job yet, whatever the case may be, technically you already have it because it's on the way. Like the moment you say your prayer, God has answered it. We see it right here with Hannah. Now moving on, I love how it says the Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. So technically, she had four sons and two daughters. Back during this time, it was really important to have sons because the property The, the the inheritance was passed down through the sons most of the time. 
Every so often you see some women in the Bible that did have property and money and things like that, but not only did God give her a son, he gave her four total. That is a miracle in itself. Because it was very important back then to have sons because of property laws and things like that. So God knew what she what she was living in what kind of environment she was living in and he he knew she needed a what i call a big kahuna miracle so not only did he bless her with the one child that she gave to the lord but he blessed her with all these other children and this also brings to mind about the tithe see some people are against tithing they don't want to give the first 10% of their income to the lord to their church whatever the case may be and i say that if you don't want to tithe you are totally missing out on the sevenfold the hundredfold the, the the return that you can get on that money excuse me on that investment and we see that here with hannah she gave one child to the lord and he gave her all these other children that's what happens in seed time and harvest it actually is true and it's right here in the bible that's why it's so important for us to tie the first 10% not the last 10% not the middle of our income like after you pay all your bills the tithe should be the first 10% like once your paycheck hits your bank account once it clears immediately you should tie 10% and what a gift it is to tithe and then you get to live off the 90 Example of this is with Hannah. She she gave one child to the Lord. She dedicated him to the Lord. God gave her all these other children. That's part of seed time and harvest, especially when you're tithing. And what's interesting is that technically Hannah named her seed. You know, there, there's this phrase called name it and claim it. in like the uh, I think it's called the evangelical kind of circles of things in terms of Christianity well name it and claim it actually is true it actually is relevant and it does work and we see it right here with Hannah she dedicated her first child to the Lord she made a promise to God basically she was planting a seed and her seed wasn't money it was her child And because of that seed that she planted with the Lord, she got all these other children in return. God blessed her. So I encourage you that if you are not into tithing, I first of all would examine what church are you attending and are you really happy there? Because I know from personal experience, I tithe way more when I'm happy. When I when I really enjoy and I love where I'm going to church. But I noticed that when i tithed at churches that i either didn't like what they were doing or i did not agree with the message or i wasn't made to feel welcome at all guess what i didn't want to tithe and when i did tithe i i felt a cringe i just felt like my my seed wasn't supposed to be there i felt like i was just throwing my money on barren ground and that's how you know if you're if you're in the right place or not if you're not seeing your your seed come to harvest your your tithe that's one way to know you're in the wrong spot 
It's not always, oh, I've got to wait five to 50 years to see what happens. No, like you really need to ask God, where do you want me to give? Where do you want me to go to church? Those are great questions that you should only ask your heavenly father. You need to take that up in prayer. And I am living proof of that. I had to do that in my life. And it was kind of scary at first to ask God those questions because I think as as humans and especially in the United States we we have this pressure and we have this intense feeling that we're supposed to know it all. You know, we're Christians, we're supposed to have it figured out where we're supposed to go to church, what exactly we're supposed to believe, what denomination, guess what? That's not true at all. That's a lie. We don't have to have it all figured out and guess what? We never will. And when I first realized that, that kind of scared me because I thought, well, we're human beings. We we like to feel like things are complete. We like to feel like we know what we're doing, but sometimes in our walk in our faith, sometimes we feel like we don't know what we're doing. And it's in those moments we need to we need to go to Jesus with that concern. We we need to go to the Lord. We need to take that up in prayer immediately because he will sustain us through those moments of uncertainty and he will make those moments certain. He will give us the courage and the confidence that we need to push forward. And we see that here with Hannah. Cuz if you remember from the previous podcast, one of them that she walked a very lonely walk to that temple by herself. She left dinner while everybody else was partying it up. She left dinner, walked that lonely walk to the temple of God. She knew she was on holy ground and she poured out her heart. She knew that something wasn't right in her life. And she went to the only person she knew of that could handle it and handle it immediately and that's our heavenly Father. I mean, I have no doubt that she was sad, depressed, all those things like it didn't bring her joy to to admit that she had a problem and that she was sorrowful. Pain is never joy. But God gave her joy in the place of her pain. That's what it means to be given beauty for ashes. But but you have to let go of your ashes. Because otherwise if all you're going to do is hold on to your ashes, God can never really bless you if you don't let go and give him a chance to bless you. That that's what the tithe is. It's honoring God with the first 10% of your income or of your time. Let's say for example, you don't have a job. That's okay. Invest your time. Maybe 10 minutes a day invest in prayer or or invest at your favorite church, you know, just 10 minutes. Maybe 10 minutes a week, whatever the case may be. Everything has value. So regardless of whether you have money to give or regardless of what amount you give or regardless of whether you don't have money but but you have free time, Whatever you have is technically a seed and it can be utilized as a tithe. And so whenever I tithe and whenever I donate, I I name my seed. I used to never do that, but I thought, you know, the more I read God's holy word and the more I really focus on what does God want from me. And it it really was clear to me He really spoke to my heart. 
I want you to have faith. And it starts with the seed. Because if you don't let it start with the seed, then it can't grow the way it's supposed to grow. Reason being, when when you plant a a plant, you you know, let's say for example, you want to grow a fir tree. You don't go to a nursery or Walmart or Lowe's or whatever and buy a 50-foot tree and plant it in your yard. Sometimes you're starting with a seed, sometimes you're starting with something that looks like a small little bush, but it's small. You have to start with something small when you're planting things. That's why God only asks for 10%. Because he knows we need the 90 to survive. And guess what? He will supply that 90 and then some. That's what it means when you're talking about the 100-fold, you know, the 30-fold, 50-fold, 100-fold. God can take whatever you have and multiply it endless amount of times. That's what it means when you tie 10%. He lived he leaves you the rest, which is 90%, but because you tithe the first 10% of your harvest, whether it's actual money or fruit or whatever the case may be, whenever you tithe the first 10% of your income, of your wages, of your earnings, of your labor, when you tithe that, that 90%, that's where it gets multiplied. the 30-fold, the 50-fold, the 100-fold. That's how it works because an example of that is when you are planting any kind of crop. Let's say for example you're planting corn, okay? You're starting out with one seed when you plant it. But when those stalks come up, guess what? You've got all all these corn cobs on there, right? Well, guess what? If you don't consume all those corn cobs, you don't cook them all, technically that's your future seed. So you basically planted one seed in the ground but got a corn stalk with all these other corn cobs on it with many seeds on it. So that is sowing and reaping your harvest. So that's one example of where God will always supply your need. Basically that's what it's talking about when God opens the the doors of heaven and lets his blessings fall upon you, overwhelm you and overtake you. See, sometimes when we think of overwhelm or overtake, we think of it in the negative because whenever we hear someone say, "Oh, I'm overwhelmed," it means something negative, but put that in the positive. What if God's blessing is just overwhelmed you? Like for example, you know, let's say you won the lottery and it's like $750 million. Wouldn't that overwhelm you or overtake you just in the the shock and the joy and the happiness? So so when you think about situations that oh this is overwhelming this is too much turn that turn that leaf over turn it to something else because that's how we're supposed to view things everything is a seed give it a chance to grow and one of the first things i would do if you don't like tithing is ask yourself why do i not like tithing And what can I do to draw closer to God in that way because tithing is a part of our faith. It's actually one of the first things about our faith. Some people don't like to talk about it and they can't stand it when preachers say anything about it, but the tithe is critical. 
Because that's where God can bless you big time. I mean, he can bless us in so many ways, but to tithe is one of the most beautiful ways to honor God. And I know that when I didn't have a job, I was poor, I was broke, I was very ill. What made my life feel so horrible and just dread was that I had nothing to give God. I had no money. I would go to church and I just felt like a failure. Of course, I was going to a bad church at that time, which is probably why I felt like a failure. But side note, um, I really wanted to give to God. But I felt so useless and worthless because I didn't have any money. And what I realized was that as long as, and mind you, it wasn't me that just came up with the idea. Like, God guided me towards this. He, he, he told me. He spoke to my heart and said, "Just because you don't have money in your pocket, that doesn't mean you don't have money coming towards you. Money is on the way. Promotions on the way. Prosperity is on the way. New beginnings are on the way." He knew it really upset me that I had nothing to give. But here's the thing: the, the biggest reason why it hurt that I, I I knew I didn't have anything to give was because I didn't feel worthy unless I had money. And I think that broke God's heart. I think it really did because He spoke to my heart and said, "You are worth more than every pearl or diamond on this planet, Leslie. Just because you don't have currency in your pocket, that doesn't mean that I don't love you and I don't hear you and that I'm not blessing you. Look around you. I like the Lord brought me so many things, like material possessions, without me having to pay for them." Like that's what it's talking about in the Bible when we're talking about the currency of heaven. You might have heard of that, and some other preachings from other preachers. But God can bless you in so many ways. But sometimes we get very, very narrow-minded and we pigeonhole ourselves into thinking, "Oh, I'm only a tither if I have money. I'm only worth something if I have money. I'm only a good Christian if I give this amount of money." Those are stupid rules set up by religiosity. That is not from God. Because here in the Holy Word of God, maybe I should do a, a study on this. There are different ways to tithe. There's tithing of your your livestock, like whenever they make a sacrifice. There's tithing of your crops. You know, Hannah tithed with one of her children. There are so many ways to tithe, and so many ways to give God the glory. Because when you give God the glory. He will lift you up so high that no devil in hell, no demon in hell, can harm you. They can't do anything to you because you know what? They're, they lost the war. They lost the battle. They're idiots. They're morons. Like, why are we worried about people? Not people, but demons and devils that have fallen. Like these fallen angels. They're completely stupid. If you think about, it, they were in heaven, and they chose to follow Satan. And I mean. They should have known that they can't go up against God. I mean, that's just how stupid they are. But here's the thing: when you honor God, Satan knows you're untouchable. But if all you think is that you're not worthy, guess what? You are a target for misfortune. The devil loves it when we think we're not worth anything. He loves it when we don't know the goodness of God. He loves it. When we think that all is lost and all is hopeless, he loves that because then he can target us and he'll send bad people into our life and along our path just to mess things up because that's how cruel and evil he is. 
But if ever you need a reminder of hope, Hannah is a really good example of that. Big time. To me, she is just amazing. Amazing. Her, her, her faith and her dedication. I just love it. But I will go ahead and end this lovely podcast. So as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole, and that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you.